This week on the Coach Mike Bear podcast, the legendary Kathy Ireland will be joining us. You probably remember Kathy as one of the Sports Illustrated most famous supermodels. And she changed up her modeling career, started running businesses, and some of these businesses have been over a billion dollars. She's CEO of a company, a mom, a wife. And so here we go, Kathy Ireland. The thing about you, Kathy, is there's so many descriptions and so many successes that you've had that it's really hard to sum up who you are. Have you found that challenging? Well, thank you, Coach Mike. (laughs) I work with an incredible team, and I love the idea of coming together with a a really inclusive group of people. And with our company, we we started our company back in 1993. I was a pregnant aging model at my kitchen table. And when I worked as a model in the last century, saved my money and uh, invested in people and uh, a wonderful team, people who had strengths in areas that I didn't have. And I love the idea of bringing people together with these different gifts, different strengths, all working towards a common goal, that kind of teamwork in sports. And uh, But when it comes to what's really important, um, our core values, how people are treated, we're on the same page. How, just for, for everyone listening, how did you start your modeling career? Oh, my goodness. Um, it was not part of my plan ever. Um, <laughs> it really wasn't. And the look of the moment was was changing. And a scout from New York asked if I wanted to go spend my summer there. I was 17 years old. And it was not something that even sounded appealing to me, yet I recognized it was an opportunity. And perhaps I could save money to go to college or start a business. Yeah, what did your parents think? Everyone was as surprised as I was. I'm 17 years old. My mom accompanied me to New York for the first five days just to make sure that I was okay. And my goodness, it was it was an interesting time. And in fact, uh, Coach Mike, I, I have a book that just came out with my co-author, Rachel Van Dyken, New York Times bestselling author. It's called Fashion Jungle. It's a cautionary tale. It's fiction, yet it's based on events that took place in my life and my roommates' lives. And and it truly is a cautionary tale. It's got to be so, without a doubt, in terms of like that period of time, you were what would be considered an it girl in today's times. Meaning like, this is a woman that is a standard. You didn't think about it and it wasn't part of like your vision for yourself, but all of a sudden culture goes, this is beautiful. We want this to be in magazines and we want this to be, and all of a sudden you're getting a lot of attention, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine at first it's like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And then at a certain point, Did it start to feel less exciting? Coach Mike, have you, are you familiar with the story, The Emperor's New Clothes? Yeah. So in that, it really talks about illusion. And, you know, the emperor thinks he's got these wonderful clothes and turns out he's naked. And um, early in my career, I remember uh, very vividly uh, the the designers, the stylists were bringing in, it was haute couture, which is the high fashion. We were in Europe. And they're bringing in these gowns. And I looked at these gowns and I thought they were ugly. And I could tell by the expressions on everyone else's faces that 
they shared that opinion and everyone was silent. And after several long seconds went by, someone chimed in and just said, oh, they're gorgeous. It's beautiful. They're, they're fabulous. It's wonderful. And everybody started chiming in. I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, this is like the emperor's new clothes. I learned early on, look, it's, I, I'm grateful for this job. I'm not going to take someone else's opinion of my exterior, of what I look like. I'm not going to take it that seriously. This is how I look. If, if it works, wonderful. If it doesn't, I'll do something else for a living. But whether it's, it's a compliment or a criticism, I'm going to have a very measured response. And that's not where I get my identity. And I, I was fortunate also at that time, that is when, when I got my faith from my mom packing a Bible in my suitcase. So that's where I got my true identity. And it's not um, something that can be taken away from me. I'll be, I'll be okay. If somebody doesn't like how I look, it's, it's absolutely fine. And did you find that people had an assumption about you or your personality based upon how you looked? Or how you were presented? You know what, Coach Mike, I think that's human nature. I think uh, I think we, whether it's intentional or unintentional, I think we can do it to each other. And um, I, I try to be mindful not to do it because I certainly don't enjoy it myself. But yes, I think we can have preconceived notions of who people are yeah. based on appearance, what they look like. And I've had people in business say to me, well, it's, you know, it's lucky for you because you had this modeling career. So that gives you a great start in business, but you know, nobody knows me. And my response to that person is the gift of anonymity is a wonderful gift. Um, there've been times when I've walked into a, a business meeting and I know that my ideas as CEO are not taken seriously. And I, and I also know that. How do you know? How do you know? You just feel it or you see the reactions or. It's pretty evident. I mean, sometimes it's, it's stated directly or sometimes uh, it's pretty clear that the people with whom I'm having a meeting would prefer that I would go back to my old job description of shut up and pose. Wow. And when I worked as a model, um, and I, and I was beginning in business, I, I recognized there were doors that were open to me because of that long ago modeling career. I also recognized they were not the doors that were helpful. These were doors that wasted each other's time. They were doors of curiosity. When you have that gift of anonymity, you can design your own brand the way you want it without these preconceived notions of who you are. And it, it's really important to recognize that every impression with you is a lasting brand impression. And so in that journey of going from modeling to running businesses, what was were some of the lessons you initially learned pretty quickly? Well, one of the lessons that I learned right off uh, from the very beginning was the gift of rejection. And when I worked as a model, I certainly didn't appreciate it. That was the biggest gift I received from that long wow. ago career. When we started our business with a single pair of socks made from recycled soda pop bottles going door to door, uh, our 
genius global creative director, John Carrasco and myself, banging on doors, presenting our socks to retailers. And when those doors slammed in our faces, it didn't disturb me. I mean, it didn't, it didn't stop me at all. My response was no means at least we're talking. I'll come back tomorrow. Maybe your circumstances will have changed, or maybe someone else will be in a position of, of power to make decisions. So it sounds like the when you start off the business, you had no problem with rejection. No. There was some bit of people had an idea about who you would be, or that essentially uh, the wisdom that you've acquired and in, in your authenticity somehow maybe wasn't fit for uh, the roles you were looking to play. But yet you you dug into really being yourself and having a point of view, it sounds like. Yes. And, and something that I learned early on, too, it's really important to have a passion for what you're doing so that when you have those difficult days, and we all do, you'll fight through them. You won't give yeah. up. If you believe in what you're doing, you have conviction for it, you know that your products or your services are a value. You're willing to fight for it. When you first started your business, were there any real challenges with the business? Or I know like there was one business that was a really big struggle for you and not the greatest partnership, which I mean, I, I so I own a treatment center. I've been in mental health for gosh, 17 plus years. So everything's been in self-help, mental health. I learned big lessons off the bat about employing who people thought were great instead of who I thought was great or how to set appropriate boundaries in business. What is your method? Well, thank you. And congratulations to you on your business and for helping so many people in such a meaningful way. That's extraordinary. And for us, it's it's really about people. And it's about the team that we have. Many of us, we've been together for over 30 years. And then we have our millennials and our Gen Z it's people. And then being of service, like really being of service. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something like, I mean, when we're looking for new partnerships, we've had situations where people are not always authentic. They're not always who they say they're going to be. And we've been burned. I mean, it, it happens. It Sadly, it happens. You want to trust people. and uh, And it's hard when you can't. When we're looking at a new relationship, well, actually, the first thing that we do, our first point of vetting is um, trying to get an understanding of the heart of the people with whom we're seeking to work. So I've had the privilege of working with the UN on the Millennium Development Goals, everything from you know stopping hunger, fighting disease, supporting education, the environment. We've added a couple of more, and it's the fight against human trafficking, and it's supporting our military veterans and their families. So we've got this list of 10 items, very diverse list. And the mission, the vision of our company, it's teach, inspire, empower, make our world better. And so that's mm. how we determine, okay, if we can work with people and together in success, if we know that these initiatives, which we believe are good, are going to be implemented, that gets us out of bed in the morning. It's it's exciting. It's like, you know, we've been around for, for many years, but we're yeah. just getting started. So it's it's exciting to us. Once in a while, 
we'll meet somebody and they'll look at the list and they'll be, oh, no, no, we're not interested in any of these initiatives, but let's let's talk about business. And our response is, you know what, we're not going to be a good fit. But most often we we find people's hearts and we don't dictate a monetary amount. It could be a volunteer period mm. of time for, for oh, the teams. So what you do is you say, here's our menu to be a part of this team is you have to give back in some fashion yes. in order to be on this team. Yeah, that's the first part of our vetting process. I love it. I love and it. And then from there, we scrutinize each other and we say, kick the tires with us, ask the tough questions. We do the same. We have the lawyers go through everything. And once every I is dotted and T is crossed, we put the contracts away and we treat each other like family. And we've had relationships, partnerships that have gone on for decades and decades. In fact, John and Marilyn Moretz, our very first partners in socks, they are our cherished partners today. And, and, and I love that. So, and when you when you find good people. And we are so blessed and fortunate to have some amazing people on our team. I don't let go of them. I mean, I'm hanging on to them. They're great, great people. And we're very fortunate. And I also recognize it is a gift to go through difficult times with people because everyone can be lovely when everything is going well. But when things are difficult, you find out what people are made of. And when you've got those people who are going to just take your hand and go right through the fire with you, you come out stronger together. How has this period of time with the coronavirus been for you? Oh my goodness, Coach Mike. It's um, our hearts are broken for the people who have lost their lives for the the illness, the, you know, we've had a couple of family members uh, go through this and we're so wow. grateful that they're, they're better. Uh, and for the jobs that are impacted. I mean, that's, that's really really difficult. And when when you talk about how this impacts us, I mean, let's take New York City, for example, because New York is a place where our company does do a lot of business. In times of COVID, I believe we see the, the best and the worst of human behavior. And I mean, just a, a couple of incidences, um, the comments that were made by the mayor of New York. And, uh, and and I don't know the mayor personally, so I, I can't comment on where his heart is when he made those comments. But which comment? When the the Jewish community was called out, in particular, they were having a funeral, and this is this is really challenging because I, we have to be so careful of our words, particularly mm. during these times, because there's vulnerable people out there, and we don't know what someone is is going through. And by singling out a community of the Jewish people specifically, that is not the best way to stop the escalation of anti-Semitism that we're seeing around the world. You know, and in my favorite book, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I understand passion and, and everything else. And I do understand there was an apology issued. So I'm grateful for that. I also recognize that we must be re really mindful of our words because they do have an impact. You've been famous through so many phases of culture, through culture that didn't have social media. Obviously, there's pros, there's cons to all of it, right? Like people can get their word out and their voice out, but then it's not great when it's geared towards hate or not being nice, right? And 
What are some lessons you've learned in kind of the evolution of technology, both as a public figure and just as a business owner? Whether we're talking about technology, uh, communication and technology, anything. I mean, with our team, we have a standing rule. Don't put anything in writing that you would not be proud of for anybody to see because things can accidentally be sent. And first and foremost, because it's the right thing to, to do, check your heart and um, you know what's in the heart comes out the mouth and it comes out on our fingers when we're writing things. So I believe we need to get our hearts in the right place. And uh, mm. something that many consider is uh, counterintuitive, it works for our team. It's consider others as more important than yourself. People over profits. And, and that's something that we believe. But in our communications, you know, how are we being of service? Let's not make it all about us. And how does this impact us? When we're considering a new relationship, after that vetting process that I shared with you, it is truly, um, what can we do to be of service? How can we best be of service to you? How can we increase the bottom line that you're experiencing? Besides putting something in writing for you, has any pressure shifted or not? Like, I know for me, I'm relatively new to being in the public eye. I had no vision, intention. You know, I'm now on Dr. Phil, which is the number one daytime television show. All of a sudden, I wrote a New York Times bestseller. The book even went number one in Korea. And this has been like- but Congratulations to you, you on that. You. That's amazing. And it's been, I have another big book on the way. And what I've struggled with is- as my profile grows, mm -hmm. how to stay truly authentic mm -hmm. and how to like stay within heart and not play the game. Right. And uh, like, I don't know if it's just me and my brain because this is newer for me, but I look at someone like you, I'm like, you've had to navigate this thing for a long time. Like, how have you stayed true to your heart and pressure and all of that? Well, thank you. I mean, thank you so much. Um, I, I don't buy into uh, press or what people uh, say about me. I like to learn. Uh, I, I really mm. do. And I really appreciate when somebody has good criticism. Uh, in fact, I would prefer to hear the criticism than the good stuff because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And criticism is a gift. And sometimes it's wrapped up in a nasty package, but we've got to look at it and open it to discern if there's something we can learn from. I'll give you an example. When I had that long ago modeling career, job description was shut up and pose. I had an opportunity to speak publicly and a critic very, very publicly said that I had a voice that could kill small animals. And, um, I love animals. <laughs> it was not a confidence builder. I was 25 years old and I couldn't order a pizza on the phone. I had a really high voice and people thought I was a kid making a prank phone call. So that critic had a point. It wasn't very nice the way he said it, but I was grateful. And so I would say, I mean, just to, to be open and always wanting to learn, always wanting to grow. And I think when we take our eyes off ourselves and we think about who we're serving, who we're being of service to, and how can we truly make their day better, what they're going through. When we started our brand in 93 with the socks, 
our core customer was the busy mom and recognizing how difficult it was for her to just even get out the driveway with kids in the car seat and everything going on and how underserved she is. So everything that we can do, fashion, quality, value, safety. And today that demographic has grown. And I'm so grateful to include every age and every demographic. And so thinking about how we can really be of service to each person and and really meet their needs and listen to them in new ways. And who was your kind of mentor through this, like our mentors? I've been very fortunate to have some incredible mentors. Uh, My parents at the top of the list. My dad, when I had a paper out at 11 years old, he said, Kathy, give 110%. If The customer expects the paper on the driveway, put it on the front porch. And that was the foundation of my learning to under-promise and over-deliver. And it's simple, yet it's really the foundation of our business today. My mom, being an amazing entrepreneur from just doing everything from babysitting, housekeeping, sewing dresses, and I'd make jewelry. We'd sell them at beach fairs together. Uh, An incredible entrepreneur to working with Elizabeth Taylor who we had business together. She became family. And watching this genius, I'm truly a genius with business, philanthropy, family, just her fierce boldness and her fight. Uh, So many lessons. Uh, Warren Buffett. um, I was introduced to Warren Buffett by Irv Blumpkin of the Nebraska Furniture Mart, our first retail partner in home furnishings. And Mr. Buffett is so prolific. Anyone can read, you know, just wonderful lessons from him. Something that I share with our children, be alert, pay attention. Hopefully you'll find a few traits in your dad and me that you like. You might want to emulate. Unfortunately, you're going to find some funky behavior in us that we might not even be aware of. Take the good, reject the bad, because everybody is, we're we're all failed. Yeah, I mean, having Elizabeth Taylor... And I have to imagine as a businesswoman, especially during her time and what she had to to do, you know, to be taken seriously, what what kind of lesson did you learn from her that was just like, I am going to apply that to everything I do? Elizabeth's boldness. Um, I love it. She's a fierce advocate. When she believes in something, she is a fighter. And, and I love that. That's forever. And, and I say is because her work continues. I serve as an ambassador for the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation when the AIDS epidemic. Oh, well, she's amazing. And how she set it up that every dollar earned uh, goes right to helping people. And she's, she's extraordinary. When this epidemic was hitting in the 80s and people didn't understand it, she was so frustrated that nothing was being done. And when she called friends, to ask for help, they hung up on her. And she had business advisors tell her, just leave it alone. Don't even touch this. She received death threats. And Elizabeth did not let any of that stand in her way. She battled through, didn't care how unpopular it made her or the work that it cost her. She knew it was the right thing to do. And she became the Joan of Arc of AIDS. And she is to this day. And before Elizabeth, people were dying of AIDS. Today, people are living with HIV. There's a lot more work that needs to be done. Uh, We have treatments, not cures. There's more work to be done. And people who live in remote parts of the world still 
have struggles getting those treatments. And through Elizabeth's foundation, she's making a way for, for people to get them in the remotest parts of the earth. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to be that committed to helping gays at the time and yeah, LGBT get to, which by the way, this is a worldwide epidemic. It's not just, you know, affects one population, but the fact that I always love it when people rally behind causes where there's risk involved. Yes. And Elizabeth is fearless. And Elizabeth recognized HIV AIDS does not discriminate. And Elizabeth loves all people. And and that is powerful. I had the the privilege recently, uh, it was last fall, of participating in the Business Roundtable International Religious Freedom uh, with Dr. Brian Grimm. American businesses coming together, how do we respond to the persecution that goes on worldwide? And um, you mentioned LGBT and that community. Yes, persecution in our country and other countries, it's horrific. And we also see religious persecution. People of all faiths, people of no faith, uh, this is a real issue in uh, in business that I think uh, American businesses have to really strongly look at. How do we respond to this? The persecution is um, it, it is frightening. I mean, when we're talking about the Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang, China, and the 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 government using facial tracking recognition to round people up, put them into camps, which they're calling re-education centers, over a million currently. Or if we're talking about, um, my goodness, people in Burma being um, persecuted by their own governments. When we're talking about what's going on in Nigeria, we talk about girls in Christian schools being slaughtered, being sold into sexual slavery, when we're talking about what's going on in Northeast Syria and Iraq and the persecution of the Yazidis, the the Jews, the Christians, the Muslims. Yeah, I went to Kurdistan twice in the last two years. Last Mm -hmm. time I went alone, I was going to work with the government to open up a mental health clinic because these women, these poor women, as you know, like husbands are killed sons that you know sex trafficking and it's just it's it's so um upsetting and then you know you try to get people to rally behind it and it's it's pretty hard it's really hard to do that you know i i have so much respect for you for doing that that's incredible and one of my biggest mistakes in business came from fear and my fear was when we started with that single pair of socks, we started by conducting surprise factory inspections. You learn a lot when you show up unexpectedly. Anybody can clean up if they know you're coming. And my fear was if we grew too much, how would we ever be able to monitor what's going on in every factory? How would we be able to do that? In maturity, what I recognize is that when we're small, we can be easily dismissed. We've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in our human rights contracts. And I tell people, if you've got something better, please share it. We need to learn from one another. We always want to grow and do better. If we're small, we can be dismissed because maybe what's illegal in our country is not illegal somewhere else. Go away. We, we don't need you. I mean, the majority of our business is done in the United States. We work with some partners who have factories worldwide. And if we're big, if we have leverage, 
we're able to initiate some positive change. And it would be wonderful if people would do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But if we can impact their bottom line, perhaps we can initiate some positive change. And that's powerful. So that encourages us to grow. I feel it's a it's a blessing to be exposed to needs that are bigger than us and also opportunities that are bigger than us. So you'll tie that into kind of the business arrangement at different times. Like this is our expectation of working with us. And Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They've got everybody who works with us must sign our, our human rights contracts and it's non-negotiable with our team. And we recognize people will break the law. And if, if they do, I mean, we will, we will find out and um, there will be punishment for that because that's, that's just not okay. So Kathy, I just, and I really appreciate we've covered so many different topics, subjects. You've been really wise. My last question for you is what is your passion project right now that really excites you and you love? I'm serving as the International Youth Ambassador for the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. And uh, there is uh, the Do 43 campaign. Okay. And that is because every day, 43 children are diagnosed with cancer. And with COVID-19, these children are particularly vulnerable I'm asking everybody to please uh, join me in this and uh, join our team. Please, um, you know, let's connect through LinkedIn, Twitter, social media, or, you know, to please um, visit the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation, visit their website and learn how to get involved. Um, Some incredible people are doing this. Joining with me, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Williams, um, my goodness, Marcus Limonis, just some wonderful, wonderful people, Bethany Hamilton. And we're asking, we know that you know, times are tough and there's fear, but I'm saying, please don't be afraid to give 43 cents whatever you're able to do, that is is wonderful. And and Coach Mike, what do you think? Will you join our team? Yeah, I'm down. I'll join. All right. Thank you. Let's do it. And and then we're asking, you know, children are wonderfully creative and fun. So you can think of 43 things that you want to do. Vanessa Williams, she took her dog on 43 steps, so walks with her dogs. Completely on board. You know, Coach Mike, you, so I have to ask you, uh-huh. um, you're such an inspiration. And what are you most excited about right now? And how do you get your inspiration during these days? You know, what's funny is the stuff that inspires me is free. Lately, you know, I, I feel like I'm inspired by how do obstacles become opportunities. I love that. And how to help people make decisions from being who they are. I think a lot of people struggle with realizing whether it's their childhood or story or it's like I say people are should this, should that, should do this, and they should all over themselves. And mm. it's like, I just am really inspired by helping people believe in themselves. That's what makes you feel alive in the moment, uh, feels connected. And um, so anything that like helps people believe in themselves, have a shot, see themselves differently than how they currently are, that's that that gets me fired up. I love that. I, I yeah. thank you for sharing that. I, I love that. And 
truly inspiring and something that we've done during these days of COVID. Uh, we formed a new business unit. It, it's Kathy Ireland's Small Business Network. It's to help small businesses grow during the time of COVID and beyond. And wow. each new business joins us in contributing to nonprofits, including the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. And, uh, and today we launched Kathy Ireland American Home with 138 properties throughout our country. It's managed by Baratelli Properties, and they've already made their first contribution to NPCF. So I am also very, um, you know, very encouraged. We have wonder another wonderful partner, uh, GKC Global Kitchen Concepts, Kathy Ireland, 17 locations, the most amazing kitchens in uh, these 17 design studios around the country. And our brand ambassador, Chef Andre, he helps with all the food, including you know, GKC, Kathy Ireland, just, and it's, and it's about kind of tracking back to what we started with great people. Uh, Chef Andre is somebody I've worked with for decades. I'm not a good cook. He makes it easy. So it's finding good people. And, yeah. uh, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you. Thank you so much for all the amazing work you're doing. Thank you. And thank you, Kathy, for being an inspiration and teaching me some new things and I'm a sponge, so you gave me some tools and tips that I know will help me and others. And everyone can follow Kathy on all of her social media platforms. That's Kathy Ireland. And I'd encourage everyone to take part in, uh, is it called the 43? What is it? What do we call this? It's do 43 and that people can go to nationalpcf.org. Or they can visit me on any of my platforms. And let's start tagging Kathy with all the 43 things we're doing. Or the $43 or the whatever it is. So thanks again, Kathy. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Coach Mike. Best wishes to you. Thank you. Go to KathyIreland.com to find out all about her businesses. There's a lot of them. And if you like today's podcast, subscribe and download and share it with your friends. Until next time, stay safe.